And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. A God-blessed New Year to each of you. Happy 2019. May you truly be blessed so that you in turn will bless others. All to the glory of God. Wouldn't it be good to look at the happenings of this new year with more than just your own eyes? And wouldn't it be great to look at whatever is going to happen in 2019 through God's eyes? Now, this can only be done as we study biblical prophecy. Remember, God has accurately spoken about the future. And now with our message is our own Pastor Robert Elliott. I think for most of us in our culture, uh, New Year's is a time to look forward with our own eyes, but this message is to challenge us to also be looking forward with His eyes. I think in our culture, New Year's is a time typically when we make our resolutions, but this message is calling us to consider making New Year's a time to consider His revelations about the year and the future that are ahead. Years ago, in the first days of World War II, dark days on the global front, as you can well imagine, King George VI of England, who was the king that was the subject of the recent film, The King's Speech, King George VI had a radio address in those early dark days of World War II, and this is what he said. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I might tread safely into the unknown. He replied, Put your hand into the hand of God, and that shall be to you better than light and safer than the known way. End of quote. Some Christians, I think we know some, seriously question whether we should spend much time or effort in studying biblical prophecy. I am not one of those Christians. And on the first Sunday of a brand new year, I want to share with you five good reasons that I believe we should, in fact, study biblical prophecy. And when I say we, I mean me and all of you. Yes, I should study biblical prophecy as your pastor, but I want to make the case to each of you, my brothers and sisters, that you as well should study biblical prophecy in this new year. Now, before I go into this sermon, I want to tell you that it was a sermon first delivered by a prof of mine at Dallas Seminary named Stan Toussaint. I've adapted his sermon, but I want to give him credit for much of what's here. So why should we go into prophecy in this new year? Five reasons. Number one, because of the prominence of prophecy in the Bible. We should study Bible prophecy because of its prominence in the Word of God. As we stand or sit here this morning, 20% of the scriptures are still prophetic. That is, what has been predicted by God in 20% of our Bibles has still to be fulfilled. 
But if we roll the clock back to the centuries previous when God gave the various books of the Bible, Old and New Testament, to the human authors that were to write these books, if we roll the clock back to those times, then 60 plus percent of God's scriptures were prophetic. So I would say that God is very interested in prophecy. When he first gave his Bible, 60% of what he gave was predictive prophecy. So I don't think we can just summarily say that I'm not into prophecy or that it's really not that important. 20% is still to be fulfilled as we stand or sit here this morning. And when God first gave the Bible, 60% of it was prophetic. So because of the prominence of the subject, we ought to study it. Think with me a bit about the books of the Bible which major in prophecies. There's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Haggai, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi, and Revelation. Those Bible books, it cannot be debated, major in prophecy. So why study prophecy? First, because of the prominence of prophecy in the Bible. Second, we ought to study prophecy because of the priority of the prophetic subjects the Bible touches on. Now, the Word of God focuses on subjects that matter, subjects that change how we choose to live now and give us a perspective on how we'll live after we die or we're raptured. The prophecies of the Bible are not absurd or silly or ridiculous. Instead, they are essential. What are those subjects? What are some of the subjects of prophecy in God's word? Christ's crucifixion, Christ's first coming, resurrection, the rapture return of Christ for the church, the second coming. These are some of the topics and subjects of Bible prophecy going on. The Antichrist, the Ten Kingdom Confederation, also called the revived Roman Empire the establishment of Christ's kingdom, heaven. These are some of the topics of prophecy. Hell, substantive topics, important topics, topics that inform how we live now and how we will live after we are on earth. So why study prophecy to review? Number one, because of the prominence of prophecy in the Bible. Two, because of the priority of prophetic subjects. But there's a third reason we ought to study prophecy. It's because of the practice of godly men and women of old. Because of the practice of godly men and women of old. Daniel, for example. When Daniel was taken into captivity in Babylon, he was about 15 or 16 years old very young, and he purposed in his heart not to defile himself before he was tempted by the Babylonian pagans to defile himself. And that's why he never defiled himself. So young person here listening to me today, when you go into this new year, you purpose in your hearts not to defile yourself with alcohol, drugs, premarital sex, and the like. Because when you purpose in your heart that you won't defile yourself in these ways, The Spirit of God who resides within you, if you are born again, will give you the way of escape and the strength to take it in all these settings. 
But back to Daniel. Daniel went into Babylonian captivity at a boy of about 15 or 16 years of age. The captivity lasted 70 years, and he knew it. Do you know how he knew it? He studied prophecy. It says in Daniel 9, verses 1 and 2, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ashuerus, the Median of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of all the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. That is so important for us to see that Daniel had his Bible, he had his Old Testament scriptures with him in captivity as a young man, and and he read the prophet Jeremiah and saw that God prophesied that they would be 70 years, not 71 years, not 69 years, 70 years in Babylon. Do you think that helped Daniel remain true to God? That he knew a terminus point on when they were getting back home? Of course it did. And because a man like Daniel studied Old Testament prophecy and it helped him in his adversities of life, we should study prophecy and it can help us in our tough times. You want to have hope in 2012 and who of us would not want hope? Then no prophecy. Prophecy produces hope. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, a very common and beloved passage on the rapture of the church. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you do not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. No hope. Most of the people you rub shoulders with who aren't saved, most of the people you rub shoulders with this new year have no hope. We have hope. And our hope is brought under the magnifying glass when we study prophecy. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. When you are beside a grave of someone you love that was born again, this is hope, this prophecy. When you face a terrible, no good, lousy, difficult week this year, this is hope. That Jesus has the final say. Not Wall Street. That Jesus has the final say. Not your surgeon. That Jesus has the final say when this age will end. Prophecy produces hope. C.S. Lewis was very clear on the fact that prophecy produces hope. Listen to what he wrote in his book, Christian Behavior, and I quote, Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do 
it does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. End of quote. So what is hope? We're saying that prophecy produces hope. What is hope? Hope is desire with expectancy. Sit back, listen up for a short Christmas devotional we'd like to share with you. A Christmas devotional for you entitled, Yes, Lord, by Dr. Joy Baker, adjunct professor of Christian education at Dallas Theological Seminary. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord May it be done to me according to your word. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Nine months before our Savior's birth, an angel appeared to a young Jewish girl, Mary, whom Scripture describes as a virgin, engaged to a man named Joseph. Prior to that angelic visit, Mary must have felt great excitement as she anticipated her marriage. But suddenly her dreams came crashing down around her as the angel declares that she has found favor with God and is chosen to be the mother of the promised Messiah, Jesus. Mary knows immediately that this news, though wonderful in many ways, will also bring her great humiliation and suffering as people will criticize and judge her for being pregnant and unmarried. What will she do as the angel explains that the Holy Spirit will come on her and the baby Jesus will be conceived in her womb? Will her fear cause her to reject God's plan? Or will her faith lead her to accept God's will? Will she be unwilling to face the rejection of many or courageously trust God as she embraces an unknown and difficult future? Mary presses through her fear grabs hold of faith and quietly says, Yes, Lord. She evidences that her commitment to God is central to her life, for she describes herself as the Lord's bond slave. God asks each of us the same question. Will you trust your life to me, no matter the cost? Will you trust your life to me, no matter the cost? At this Christmas season, as a new year lies ahead, are you willing to say, yes, Lord? No matter what other people may say or do, are you willing to accept his plan, even if it includes hardship and sacrifice? Is Christ truly at the center of your life? What answer will you give as God offers you an uncertain and or a challenging future? God invites you, like Mary, to be part of his great plan. We pray together. Lord, we know that fear and faith do not coexist at the same time. 
and we would confess the sin of fear where we have been fearful, accept your forgiveness to go forward in faith, to be people who would say to you, yes, Lord, please make us to be yes, Lord, people, followers of Jesus who say, yes, Lord, for we ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nichols, another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to just talk about and we just know that Christmas is over now and we look forward to 2019. And as we know, many people make New Year's resolutions. And we know that most people keep these and for about a couple of weeks and then they're no more. But this morning we want to look at, just a look back at the year behind us. Because we may look at our lives and we may say, you know what? I made some crazy mistakes this last year. I've did things that I wish I would not have done. And some people will use that and they will keep on beating down themselves and and hold it against themselves and just continue to allow it to consume who they are. And as we think about that, there's the reality that we can't change the past. The past has been done. There's nothing that we can do to change what we have done. The only thing that we can do now is to try to strive to be different, try to learn from those mistakes, and try to be a better person. And as we think of Scripture, we think of a passage that people always look at as we think of the new year. And that would be Philippians 3, starting at verse 12, and it says this, Not that I have already obtained the goal, or am I already perfect, but I make every effort to hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. You see, we need to understand that as we consider our lives, none of us are perfect. As we consider chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul has already talked about knowing Christ and wanting to know him more. And what a great goal for the new year to want to know Christ more and to get to know him and recognize that we can't put our hope in the things that we have done, the accomplishments, but we need to understand that we need to put our hope in Christ. And he continues on to talk about how we need to understand that we're not perfect. You know, when you consider someone who is perfect, you will not find that person. But we can look at the life of Jesus Christ, who was a perfect man, who walked the face of the earth, but yet he was crucified for our sins. People found things. In fact, they let go of a robber just to crucify Jesus. So when we consider this, as we look forward to the new year, we need to recognize that we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that are going to affect how we live. But we need to learn from those mistakes. We need to be a better person. We need to strive to become more like Christ. And verse 13 said, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. You see, as we consider 2018, we have to look in the rearview mirror and see, okay, these are the things that I have done. These are things that I wish I would not have done. These are things that I've done well. And we need to look at that and say, what can I do better in 2019? What can I do for Christ in 2019? You see, we can look and keep our minds and our eyes on the, the rearview mirror. We have to look ahead. And this is what it's saying. Forget what's behind. You can't live in the pod. You can't live in 2018's accomplishments, but you need to strive now for 2019 to say, what can I do this year? I can't continue to bring up those things in 2018. 
but it says reaching forward to what is ahead. As you consider running a race, you will never look behind you when you're trying to run forward because you're going to lose focus. You're going to lose um, what you are trying to do, and you're going to trip over your feet and trip over whatever it may be. You may go out the lane, and now you've disqualified yourself from competing. You see, we need to understand that we need to look forward. We need to understand that we need to pursue Christ. We need to understand that now this is our finish line. We've done what we've done in 2018, but we need to look forward. And this is, as it said in verse 14, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Again, as we consider 2019, let us look to Christ. Let us put Christ in everything that we do. Let's not make resolutions such as just losing weight and, you know, wanting to eat healthier. But let us set goals for what we can do for Christ this year. How can we become a better person for Him? How can we become a better witness for Him? How can we understand, make other people look at our lives and say something different about you and you can point them to Christ? As we consider Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Again, as we come to the close of 2018, what is it that you need to lay aside? What is it that you need to give over to Christ and say, you know what, I need to give this to you. I need to put this aside so that I can be the best person that I can for you. And we need to recognize that this isn't just a one-time laying aside, but we need to continue to lay aside these things because things are going to come into our lives and they're going to hinder us. It's just like with the resolutions. When we mess up once, you know, we may say, oh, okay, I messed up once, I'm going to continue. But when you continue to mess up, then you see it becomes easy to just say, you know what, forget about that. So I would challenge you to run this race of endurance. As verse 2 says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. And some versions say the finisher of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despite the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. You see, as we consider 2019, let us keep our eyes on Jesus. Let us focus on him. Let our lands be what he has for us this year. Not just our earthly goals or what we would like to do um, with dieting and, and weight loss. But what is it we're going to do for Christ? What is it that we're going to say, you know what? I am so glad that I did this in 2019 because now I am closer in my relationship with God. I've grown so much because I've done this. You know, some people say I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And you know what? That's great. But don't let it just be a habit just because, oh, let me just read through this and I don't understand what I'm reading. No, take time to study it. Take time to um, just look into God's Word and, and get some books to help you to understand God's Word. Because I think that too many times we like to say we're going to read through the Bible, but yet we just do it out of a habit. We're not growing. We're not studying it. And the Bible said we need to study it. So I would challenge you to be a student of the Word. You know, just as you are in school and you study for tests and you study for all these things. Remember this. Every day is a test for us as we call ourselves Christians. Every day is a day that we are put out there, our faith is put out there and people will question us. 
The question is, do you know what you believe? Do you know what it means to be a follower of Christ? Are you keeping focus on Him? Because as we've read this morning, we can't change what's happened in 2018. We need to look at the rearview mirror and say, it's over. But we need to look ahead. And we need to pursue Christ with everything. So I would challenge you to remember that in whatever you do, do it for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And that you would keep your eyes solely on Him because He is the perfecter of your faith. I would like to wish you, on behalf of the youth ministry here of Calvary Bible Church, a happy new year. And I want to thank you for listening to You Talk. And I hope that through these talks, these will help you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. And I hope to, that you'll continue to listen in 2019. We want to conclude this Echoes of Calvary broadcast with a Puritan prayer. The Puritan prayer, the divine will. O Lord, I hang on thee. I see, believe, live. When thy will, not mine, is done. I can plead nothing in myself in regard of any worthiness or, and grace, in regard of thy providence and promises, but only thy good pleasure. If thy mercy make me poor and vile, blessed be thou. Prayers arising from my needs and preparations for full mercies. Help me to honor thee by believing before I feel. For great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. Show me what sins hide thee from me and eclipse thy love. Help me to humble myself for past evils and be resolved to walk with more care. For if I do not walk holily before thee, how can I be assured of my salvation? It is the meek and humble who are shown thy covenant, know thy will, are pardoned and healed, who by faith depend and rest upon grace, who are sanctified and quickened, who evidence thy love. Help me to pray in faith and so find thy will by leaning hard on thy rich free mercy, by believing thou wilt give what thou hast promised. Strengthen me to pray with the conviction that whatever I receive is thy gift, so that I may pray until prayer be granted. Teach me to believe that all degrees of mercy arise from several degrees of prayer, that when faith is begun, it is imperfect and must grow, as chapped ground opens wider and wider until rain comes. So shall I wait thy will, pray for it to be done, and by thy grace become fully obedient. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.